G'day, I'm Rowan Mackey and welcome to On Love and Your Work. Today on the show, we have Ronsley Vaz. Ronsley is a successful author, entrepreneur, speaker and podcaster. His podcast, Bond Appetit, has reached over 3 million listeners in 133 countries worldwide and he has founded the We Are Podcast Conference, the first of its kind in the Southern Hemisphere. We discuss Ronsley's journey to becoming a successful entrepreneur, as well as some of the insights he has gained over a genuinely multifaceted career so far. I hope you enjoy my chat with Ronsley Vaz. All right, so today we've got Ronsley Vaz on the show. Ronsley, thank you so much for joining us. Man, this is so cool. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm loving your journey, so this is... Uh... As much an honor for me, I think, uh, and I'm so stoked to find out how this goes because <laughs> I, I love your work. Well, for you know, for listeners of the show, uh, Ronsley is actually probably someone who inspired me to to do this podcast. I, uh, I went up and saw Ronsley at a at a conference towards the end of last year, and uh, we'll get into a little bit about sort of what Ronsley does. But um, but yeah, he certainly does some great work mentoring other people and that sort of thing. And I've certainly been beneficial to that. So thank you very much, Ronsley. Cheers, buddy. Thank you. <laughs> so anyway, Ronsley, you're a speaker. You're an author. You're an entrepreneur. You're, <laughs> I suppose. It's almost better to ask one of the things that you you don't do. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I was saying on, on off air before. Uh, these days, it's um, I suppose you know it's it's more common for people to have their fingers in different pies and that sort of yep. thing. And I think you're a great example of someone who's been able to do that really successfully. So, mm. first up, I'm actually going to steal one of your own questions here that, that you've used yeah. on your podcast. Yeah. And that's when you're at sort of like a barbecue or in a social situation. What yes. do you tell people that, that you do with yourself? I usually say I'm a drug dealer. Yeah. Um, <laughs> How does I that go down usually? Yeah, yeah. That, uh, it usually stops all the questions. Yeah. Um, I, I, I try not to generally introduce myself in any professional sense at a barbecue. Um, but when pushed, uh, so I, I recently found out uh, again through observation that uh, at, at an airport when you leave Australia, you asked what's your profession. And um, over the last few times I've traveled, I've put entrepreneur. And um, I probably most identify with that. I feel like um, that's probably something which is really weird because I didn't think I was an entrepreneur when I was growing up. I thought I was a nine to five corporate person. I didn't think I was a, a business owner, sort of. Uh, I didn't have that in me, I didn't think. But uh, more and more, every year, I feel like I'm being called to um, to be an entrepreneur, more more from the sense of being an example. And um, I feel like my definition of entrepreneur is, is, is creating a business around solving meaningful problems. And I think um, that's what I... Uh, associate myself with and that's what I resonate with most. Sure and, and we'll get into some of your, your entrepreneurship along the way but, uh, but one question I like to ask guests towards the start of each podcast is when you were a kid what did you want to be when you grow up? I wanted to be Batman. Yeah. <laughs> yeah uh, nice. and, and, and still, still, still do yeah. uh, and I think entrepreneurship comes closest to that. Yeah. <laughs> sure. So, so yeah. What, what sort of things were you interested in growing up? Did you have any idea of what you wanted to be? Um. So, 
I was always different. I, I always kind of stood out. And as I grew up in India. Um, I was born in Bahrain uh, in the Middle East. I was there for six years and then uh, moved to India. Uh, my mom's Portuguese and my dad's Indian. So I kind of had this really very mixed sort of uh, background, which I don't really resonate with any kind of culture as much as I resonate with all these experiences that I've created my own culture. Um, but I did stand out a lot in India for the wrong reasons to the wrong people and not for anything I was doing on purpose. I think I was so, just so different. Yeah, what, what do you mean by that? By like, what would you define as the wrong reasons? Um, so, so I would ask questions like, um, why do we have to learn this way? Or why is this a thing? Like, um, I would ask questions that no one would ask and it would just be taken for granted. And, um, and as a result of that, I think I was, um, um, usually always out, out of the class or, or, you know, um, however, I, I did always get good grades so I, I don't think they could have kicked me out of school um, so I kind of had that a bit going for myself and then I found out that I could not actually be in class by being uh, in sports teams so I was I was in every sports team possible and I was in every um, uh, extracurricular activity as well so I was in a de- I was captain of debate team and I did you know general knowledge quiz uh, competitions and elocution and and all that kind of stuff as well so I was always very different in the sense that I was only the only sportsman in, in, along with the geeks doing the elocution and all that kind of stuff. And I was the only geek that was in the sports teams as well. So I always kind of, in one way or the other, stood out and I was different from everyone else in the group. So, uh, however, coming to Australia, maybe 15, uh, yeah, 15 years ago, I felt like I belonged from the day I arrived because I didn't, if I stood out, I stood out for something that I did that was different or good um, and it wasn't because I was different. Um, you know what I mean? So it, I, I, I think coming here, the opportunities and, and, and how things changed were, were quite beneficial to me. Sure. And tell us a little bit about your sort of professional pathway. So, so you, you started as a chef, is, is that correct? No, 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 no sorry. No, I didn't start as a chef. Uh, chef was... Um, uh, and in between, so I, so I always thought of myself as 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 a technical person, which is really insane when I think about it now. But um, I did a bachelor of engineering, uh, computer engineering, and I did that uh, in India. I worked for about just under a year, um, and realized that India wasn't the way for me to go forward. It was just, I don't know, it just didn't suit me. Uh, so I decided to. Um, go outside and and I thought the best way to do that was to pursue a higher um, education because that's the way we're brought up in India. We kind of thought to, to, to think that more education equals better pathways or better better career or um, so I came to Australia to do a master of software engineering. And um, I did that. I uh, was a tutor for a while at Griffith University. I did, did maybe, I don't know, a year and a half I was there. And then I got um, into software engineering and did some really cool stuff um, uh, with uh, tractors that would wake up in the morning and, and plow the field on, all on its own and, and come and park itself. So that, that was cool stuff. And um, I was a software quality 
uh, manager and I managed software quality across um, the uh, the company and they got bought over by a bigger company which is on the Canadian Stock Exchange so then I uh, suddenly overnight pretty much became global manager which was crazy because I had no idea what that meant and um, they paid for an MBA which I did down at QT so I got another master's um, but that's when it changed I think my brain changed at that um, MBA when I kind of looked at opportunity everywhere and that's probably where my entrepreneurship journey started. Um, I then did financial advising for two years. Um, so I had another career in between that and uh, then I started my own restaurant and became a chef. Um, and then from that point, I suppose, um, yeah, I'm, I'm here now today, a marketer and and. <laughs> And an uh, author and a speaker and all sorts of, uh, yeah, so I, I think I've already passed my 20 careers, I think. Yeah. <laughs> you, you mentioned that you've undertaken a, a lot of education so far. When you were going through that, what was your kind of thoughts in terms of, were, were you uh, doing degrees for a specific job in mind or a specific path to go down? Or was it more just to kind of educate yourself further to be able to add more strings to your bow and that sort of thing? See, for me, education has always been to learn new things and learn differently and um, and learn new skills. I feel like when I pick up a new skill, I almost feel like a like a like a superhero. Like you know, I, I can I can do something different, like uh, something new. I almost uh, feel invincible. So f- I, I haven't even. Uh, this is how much the degree actually means to me. I haven't even picked up my MBA degree certificate. Um, it doesn't mean anything other than the fact that I know something more than I knew before, like before I started. Yeah, sure. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't necessarily resonate with the, um, the design or the, you know, the, 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 the letters you get at the end of your, of your name, cause I've never used them. Um, but I, I do resonate with what you learn as part of the journey. And so you mentioned, so you, you were a chef for a, for a number of years and then you've managed to, one of the things that I find really interesting about you is that you've, you've been able to marry quite kind of different interests in different ways and, and your, your podcast, Bond Appetit, which has reached, I, th- I think it's something like over 3 million listeners in 133 yep. countries sort of thing. So it's been amazingly successful. But yes. it's, sort, it, it, it's food stuff, but it's got sort of entrepreneurship in mind and that sort of thing. How yes. did that come about to kind of bring about those two quite different sort of areas and, mm. and yeah, kind of create a platform for, for that? So that's a really good question for a variety of reasons because I n- didn't know that that was my strength. My strength has always been um, bringing two different things that don't seem to work together to work together. Um, my restaurant was bringing Portuguese flavors and Indian spices. Uh, again, never done before. My thesis was bringing a rigid quality system with an agile quality system together. Never had been done before. Um, so I think uh, <laughs> the more I realized that that used to be my strength, like, it's like, duh, like that's what you're good at, Ronsley. Um, so I, I suppose how that came about was I was sitting at a food court and I, it was about three o'clock and, and these kids had just finished school and um, they were exchanging these coupons for chicken nuggets at the KFC and at the Maccas and 
that was all they were eating. And that was not the sad part. The sad part was that they couldn't make it to their table without panting. And I looked at that and went, we have a serious problem in Australia. I mean, I don't even necessarily think that parents are thinking that that's a bad thing. And uh, that's what defines their life going forward, that every time they think about food and that that's the first, those are the first thoughts that they're going to think of because that's how much, so much influence food has on us. So I decided to start a podcast um, to sort of educate people, mainly moms and dads, about the importance of food, about the, about the importance of the relationship with food. And I decided that um, the best people to interview about that were people that already knew that they had to eat right. And usually they're athletes, entrepreneurs, people that are chefs who are in, already in, in the space, health people. Um, so that's what I did. It landed up becoming uh, this tilt towards entrepreneurship because even artists and and, and uh and actors and, and athletes, they, they're all entrepreneurs in, in one way or the other. Um, and so it landed up becoming this tilt around uh, entrepreneurship and food. And interestingly enough, everyone has a food story. Everyone can remember, you know, growing up baking cookies with their grandmom or, um, you know, sharing that family roast or they, everyone has a food story. So uh, some people, some people's food stories are even darker than, than what we expect, which is really interesting. So, um, we connect best over food when you think about the barriers it breaks down. So it became, it became this really cool show that I could have conversations with anyone around and, um, and, um, and have really good conversations and deep ones. Talk us through a little bit about the process of the, uh, the podcast kicking off in, in quite a successful way. Was mm. there sort of, was there one moment when you kind of thought, Actually, this is I'm I'm sort of onto something here, or was it more sort of a, a gradual thing that you built along for a while? Um, I, I think I think again, one of my Achilles' heels is not necessarily giving myself enough, or you know, being um, mindful of the success or perceived success that it goes through. So for me, I think it it was gradual. Um, it did happen a lot quicker than than most people's journey, and I know that now because of of um, the mentoring I do around podcasting. Uh, but there was this point where iTunes uh, took the podcast and plastered it on the front in the banner section um, next to, you know, Triple J and ABC Radio. And, and I didn't even know it was there. I didn't give them the artwork. I don't know where they got it from. Uh, but it was there for like a good three and a half months. And that is what really gave it its legs and... Um, and and created this almost this um, this insane snowball effect. So um, yeah, I I didn't really and still don't think that um, w- we've made it. I've never uh, thought of it on those lines. For me, it's like more there's some cool people that have a really good story, and more people know about that story now. So that's probably the only thing I really think about. And so you mentioned uh, the mentoring that that you've done, and we've spoken about that. There's uh, there's lots of people around Australia and, and I imagine the world that that you've had quite a active hand in sort of their pathways. How, did you have any mentors yourself? Uh, a, a lot of them, man. Like uh, Batman is one of them. <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, I suppose I, your yeah. sort of career journey is is has been one that, in many ways, you're somewhat of a pioneer. 
I think. And, uh, and, and as I was saying before, these days it's so common that you come across people who are able to kind of uh, make their kind of professional life multifaceted. Um, yes. So with not many people sort of having done that for, for generations before as – you know, our parents and grandparents may not have had to deal with in terms of such a new climate. How, yes. how did you deal with sort of navigating uh, yeah, your pathway without having people done sort of the specific thing beforehand? Um, I don't know. That's, that's, a, that's a question that I, I'm, I'm kind of, I don't necessarily have an answer for that. I think that um, my mum brought me up thinking that there was nothing I couldn't do and I still genuine, genuinely believe that today like I, I genuinely believe that there's nothing I can't do which is really weird um, and I know it's a weird thought but my brain is not um, is not configured to think that I, can't, that I cannot do something um, so I, I've had multiple, I, and don't get me wrong, I've had multiple really awesome people around me, really great mentors that have come and been part of my life and, um, and have helped me in one way or the other. But I don't necessarily think that there's the one person that you know, I kind of go and say, I, I want to be like that. Um, I think, I, again, I take the best of both. I think take the best of all worlds. Um, I have a really cool opportunity to take you know being brought up in india and now being exposed to the australian culture and kind of going all right i want the best of both these worlds um so it's always been a strength and it's crazy when i think about it that um, my strength has always been bringing two things together to create this new way of looking at it um so yeah so yeah, talk us through the the process that you go through when when thinking about what your next step's going to be Mm. Um, well, it's more structured these days, I think, um, than it used to be. I, I, I've, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a head in the clouds kind of guy, so I need, I need people around me to bring me back down to earth. Um, I now, on, on a weekly basis, every Monday morning at, um, at six o'clock, I do a brain dump. I, I meditate for about ten minutes and, and just do a brain dump of the tasks that I think need to be done. There's no um, no no kind of constraints to that the task list. I just whatever's in my head, I just kind of get out. And then I click a picture of that and send it to my team, and then my team do cool stuff with it, which they de- delegate and put it on my list and do all that kind of stuff. So that that lands up happening um, in terms of next steps for um, for the week. Uh, but every year on the 31st of December, I will sit and write a letter to myself um, and imagine that I'm uh, sitting writing the letter a year from now and I'm being grateful for what happened in the last 12 years. It's almost like a very <laughs> weird sort of putting myself in the future kind of exercise and um, I'll just be grateful for what happened in the last year and, and then... Um, I'll finish writing that letter and pick out the big goals that I've achieved in the last year, which has not happened yet, but you know it happened in in this imagination. And and then I'll I'll, I'll kind of plan out my year by putting that, them into the months and the calendar. And I I think that okay that I think that now I see some sort of a, a pattern here and 
And then along the way, I just um, try to hit them. And uh, that's pretty much how it goes along the way. I mean, sometimes I have an idea of how the year is going to go and it doesn't actually go that way. Yeah, so uh, how, how do yeah. you calibrate yourself towards uh, what what is reasonable and what is achievable? Um, mm-hmm. you, you mentioned, you know, you're someone heading the clouds sort of person mm-hmm. or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I imagine at times uh, you could potentially overshoot or uh, or that sort of thing. How, how do you deal with sort of finding the balance between uh, being ambitious as well as sort of wanting to achieve the goals that you set out yeah. for yourself? Yeah, that's phenomenal question i i think overshooting there's nothing wrong with it uh doesn't mean um so you gotta think big and act small um that that's um that's something i i I got that saying yesterday from a client which is which is really cool um i i I think that you I, i think overshooting is nothing wrong with it i think always prove as a business owner i think always or entrepreneur i think always prove product market fit Prove that your idea has legs, and the only way to prove that is to have someone pay you money for it. You don't need a website. You don't need a name. Uh, right now, Ampli- well, Amplify grew really quickly, but when we had our first eight clients, we didn't even have a name, leave alone a website. We didn't have a name. when Amplify wasn't even existing. Um, we just sold the idea, and, and that's, got, that's always been the the strategy um over the last few businesses has been get the first few beta clients the people that will pay you less amount of money uh for proving the concept and get their testimonials and then build on that uh overshoot by all uh, by any stretch of the imagination like go far beyond what you think you can do uh, because you can do it um but make sure that uh other people want what you're providing. Yeah, and how? At what point do you realise something's going to be successful? So you mentioned sort of ha- having a, a low client base and that sort of thing. Have there been any projects that that haven't been able to sort of take the next step, or is it sort of once you work through your idea to a point where people are going to pay for it, from there mm. you can sort of expand on it? So I, I think success and failure are just ego-driven metrics we create in our heads. I think we just have to look at it as learnings. So um, we could be extremely successful and someone else could look at that and go, that's a failure. Um, we could be, we could think something is a failure and someone else would go, uh, that is extremely successful. But if we all look at that stage and kind of go, what have we learned from that and how can I recalibrate my future based on what I learned from this experience? I think that's important. Constant introspection um, is important. Uh, the last thing you want to do is is uh, change uh, and and become a total douchebag because um, you know something has gotten to your head and you just don't know how to deal with it. And um, it's not it's not easy. Success, I suppose, or perceived success is as uh, as much of a, a head game as as failure is. Uh, so the, the, the answer I suppose is that you need to constantly look at, at what you're doing and see whether, um, it fits within your values and fits within what you want to do and whether it makes you happy and recalibrate what your future looks like. Cause you're going to constantly going to learn. Yeah. And 
Was that like? I think that's a really sort of interesting mindset, and sort of gives it a great insight into the way that you think. And do you think that's something that developed over time, or is that that sort of who you are? Um, I imagine sort of after coming to Australia and kind of yeah, going through a bit of success really um, early on, that would in many ways be be a challenge to deal with and uh, and that sort of thing. But but do you think that this sort of philosophy that you have was was ingrained with you sort of throughout childhood or did you learn that from kind of having a number of failures and a number of successes? Yeah, I think it comes from um, from being open about your successes and your failures and you know, being open about, you know, how you think. Um, I feel like uh, nowadays more than ever, we, we, when someone asks us, how's it going? We just say, oh yeah, it's awesome. Uh, and chances are that, you know, it's not. Uh, and I'm not saying that, you know, we got to throw ourselves a pity party as well. And I, I'm not, that's not what I'm saying at all. I'm, I'm kind of saying that we need to be honest and open because sometimes when someone's asking you how things are going, they genuinely, you know, want to know. And, um, 2016 was my first year of being able to be as open as possible and be very conscious about the answers I was giving people because they were genuinely looking for help or genuinely looking for answers to questions that they were asking themselves. So I I was not like that. I in fact I was grown up. I was brought up in a in a, in a society or rather a bunch of uh, in, a, in a culture that um, we always had to be right right was being more it was it was better to it was more important to be right than not know the answer to something so people would make stuff up uh and it became this thing and we would argue about stupid stuff that had nothing to do with anything as well um but it was very ego driven i think and um and somehow through this whole journey of um failure and success and uh the perceived learnings or the perceived uh, way your life is going, I suppose, um, I've kind of uh, had a chance to think. And um, I'm, I'm, I married a very emotionally intelligent person and she uh, brought out a lot of my emotional intelligence, which I never had before. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, um, it's, it's quite amazing what anyone, whether it's a three-year-old or, uh, or, or an 80-year-old, can teach you if you're just willing to learn. You've been quite involved in sort of the podcasting world. We we mentioned that you yeah you have Bond Bond Appetite uh, sorry Bond Appetite as well as uh, another podcast. Should I start a podcast? And yep. uh, you were also uh, the organizer of the first uh, podcasting conference in the Southern Hemisphere. And I think yes. podcasting's really sort of taken off, particularly in the last few years. What was it about podcasting that that you saw so much growth in? I I, I didn't ask. I don't know whether I actually saw growth. I just saw a medium that when you think about it, like when you when you just stop to think that uh, parents sing or talk to their babies even before they're born in, in, in womb and uh, that creates connection. The auditory sense is probably uh, the most connected sense of the first sense we develop um, even before we are born. Uh, it has uh, always created this amazing connection. When you think about conversation, you think about conversion as a business owner. You think that the the con you know con conversion in your business, whether it is getting a new client on board, whether it's getting a new team member, a new partner, um, 
a new anything, uh, a new relationship always starts with a conversation. And it's all this auditory sense just makes makes so much sense in the entirety of, of how we communicate. Why not use that? And I found it really I found I found a big I found a big hole. I I, I felt like um, we're competing in a global market space, and, and Australia was not being represented. Um, so I I don't know. I, I took a, a leap of faith and and decided to to start We Are Podcast in 2015. And so, what are some of the the most unexpected things that you've found about uh, I suppose the the boom of podcasting? That that you make some you make some amazing friends, uh, even friends that uh, you know you like. We would not have be having this conversation <laughs> if not for podcasting, right? Um, uh, again, uh, I would have not had this really close connection with uh, with Chris, uh, your dad, like if not for me spending time. Fifty. It was only fifteen minutes. It was a small, con- short conversation, but I think we connected more. On that conversation that we connected in four days of being in in, in Bali, um, I've known my dad my whole life, but I knew more about him by interviewing him on my show. Like you know, I think the power of the questions you land up asking and the power of the connection is so is so massive. Um, I kind of had, I kind of am a am godfather to someone who came on my show Leandra came on my show and that became a, a, a continuous thing and we became accountability buddies and, and business buddies and as a result I became godfather to a second kid like you know when you think about that progression that's just crazy and so you mentioned your dad uh, there and and having heard sort of your, your interviews with you with your father and that sort of thing uh, a sort of how much have your parents been involved in your journey, and B, what's it like to sort of to give uh, an insight into that relationship with your parents, which can be quite sort of a, a private thing, kind of a family yeah. dynamic and that sort of thing. How do you yeah. balance sort of giving your listeners an insight into that relationship between mm-hmm. sort of yeah be, being able to still kind of hold some privacy and not mm-hmm. wanting to sort of just share everything. Yeah, I, I think my problem is I don't have a filter, uh, so I don't necessarily think about what I share until it actually comes out. I, I, I don't know. For me, it's a, it's been a learning curve. My parents have been extremely supportive in in whatever way they could. Uh, they didn't agree. They they generally didn't agree with the things I was doing because I was just so weird and out of the box that they were like they actually call it doing a Ronsley. They thought I was just being stubborn. Uh, <laughs> But that's just the way my brain worked. So, um, but you know, I, I think I was brought up with, uh, and I had a great childhood. I mean, they did so much for me. I, I would not be here or sitting here or have any ideas or sense of morals if not for them. Um, they uh, gave me the sense of belief in myself that I didn't. I don't. I don't, I don't think uh, I, I'm very very grateful to have. Also. My mom inculcated this intense sense of responsibility that uh, everything that happened in my life was because of me. So I, I've never had this victim mentality or mindset, and I'm very so grateful for that. Um, my dad has been the entrepreneur of the family, and I've learned so much of resilience uh, because of him. Um there are things that you learn now that you 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 kind of look at and you always look to improve on but uh 
they've given me an, an, an amazing platform that I've had the opportunity to learn and build and and get better because of the platform they, they allowed me to. So I, I don't actually keep anything private. Like if there's something... Um, so even my dad said, I, don't, I'm, I asked him a question and, and I, I'm pretty sure he said, I'm not sure whether I should say it out loud. And I said, I should say it. And... Um, and I think the more open and transparent we are, I think the better we are for it, more for ourselves than, than, than other people. How do you find the balance between uh, moving forward in your career and, and you know, starting new projects and that sort of thing and then sort of consolidating what you have done? Oh, that <laughs> again, uh, Ronnie asking some really good <laughs> questions. I, I love these questions. I... I had this thought at the end of uh, or in the middle of November last year uh, coming out of We Are Podcast and the way Amplify grew. I had this thought that we should not take any more customers because we grew so quickly. And uh, I was thinking a lot about that and I kind of came to this realization that there was nobility in maintenance and uh, we had to maintain so that we didn't... uh, you know, just grow for the sake of growing. And uh, we didn't take any new customers until this week, actually. Um, so um, how do you know? Um, I, don't, I don't know whether there's a process to that. I don't know whether that's, there's, there's a logical, I think it comes from a feeling and, and paying attention to that. I think self-awareness is, is something that we need to pay more attention to. I think... Um, being aware of of how we feel and and how we perceive things and the lens we see the world through is important. I think um, self awareness is probably the way to 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 figure out what the next step is and whether you should take it or not. And and do you have any tips on how to to become more self aware? Uh, yeah. As you said before, being someone sort of. Head, head in the clouds and sort of a very yeah. sort of creative person and that sort of thing. Yeah. Do you need to sort of balance the kind of pragmatism with that or do you find that there's just sort of a natural balance that comes from sort of being motivated to actually follow these sorts of projects? I, I, I can't, I can't not, um, I think that the best thing that anyone can do is hang around with the right people. I, I think that the right people are so important and not only like everyone even even friends and family everyone kind of wants the best for you but it depends on on their version of what the best is right uh, a lot of the times uh, family and friends and peers put their fears onto you and that's not the that not, not the healthiest uh, relationship but they don't know any better and and our job is to figure that out uh, tips on being more self-aware, I suppose, even if you spend uh, five minutes every morning in silence, like just silence, you don't, have, it doesn't, you don't have to call it meditation, you don't have to call it anything. You just have to sit there in silence without your phone and sit there. That's it. Um, that in itself will change your life. And so being an entrepreneur, I imagine a lot of the motivation for sort of moving on to the next thing and that sort of thing is intrinsic within yourself. How do you sort of tap into that? Uh, are there times when you feel less motivated and, and how do you deal with sort of improving that level of motivation to be able to follow something through? 
Um, wow. Yeah, I, I, that, I think. I think there are times as an entrepreneur that you sit in fetal position because you're just so scared of of what you've undertaken. <laughs> um, that's happened uh, a lot. Um, more so in 2015 when I started We Are Podcast because I didn't really realize the gravity of the situation and how big it was. Um, I'm always the kind of guy that jumps and figures out whether I can swim and um, and I and and I had to learn really quickly uh, in that instance to swim. And I think part of that, you know, is is fear. Fear comes with that. Um, I. I I don't know really, you know, Ron. I think I think that you go through that. You go through the fear, and you got to find the courage to co- overcome the fear, uh, irrespective of what you do. Uh, you could have the fear could be very simply from um, a TV show that you don't want a character to die the next week, and you'd be like, oh my god, you know, I'm going through this anxiety. I hope they don't kill that the character off, and that could be your thing, or it could be. I I wish that you know next week my boss doesn't come into work so I can just you know chill the whole week, um, and you could you could have those kind of um, fears and and anxiousness and realities and and that could be your world, or you could do something amazing like um, I have a friend called Nikki Me uh, who's got the Free to Shine organization and. <laughs> And her reality is that she goes uh, every week and and saves a, a girl and puts her in school who would have been sex trafficked. Um, so you know it's it's your reality and and she has the fear because it's a, it's a thirty two billion dollar a year industry. Uh, she has the fear that you know someone can come and in Cambodia it's not like Australia. It's, uh, you know if if something happened to her there no one would care or even know or uh, it could be very easy to cover up. Um, but uh, she finds the courage uh, to go and do that um, because every girl she saves is another life saved, and uh, and uh, you know uh, it's uh, <laughs> you kind of look at those people and you kind of go, wow, I um, I wish I could be half of that. <laughs> and so, how do you balance? I imagine there's sort of natural kind of fears and anxieties that go with every sort of project. How do you balance? Uh, I suppose. The recognition of those and sort of going, okay, this is this is part of it. This is sort of uh, teething mm. problems, for lack of a better term. And mm. then, kind of recognizing, okay, we need to go to a plan B here and that sort of thing. Mm. Yeah. My my backup plans have backup plans, um, and that's something my wife told me a lot <laughs> a lot very early on in our in our marriage. And she's like, I'm I. She's like you're like she actually said that I think she was trying to get my attention I think I, I, I don't remember <laughs> but she was saying you're like Batman Ronsley your your backup plans have backup plans and um, I so everything will pass it doesn't matter what it is you know you have great success you get an award for something that will pass uh, you fall flat on your face and uh, you it seems to be the worst thing on the planet and you failed that will pass. Uh, you have the, the the feeling of being scared before you go on to something bigger and better. Then that will pass. Like just knowing and uh, knowing that will pass is probably um, the, the the thing that uh, we need to be aware of. And I think not running away from it, but just sitting with it, uh, because you need to go through it for you to for you to come out the other end. And a lot of times we try to um, 
numb ourselves with um, you know alcohol, drugs, phone, like you know social media, um, a variety of bad relationships, I suppose. But it's all all those all those those habits are habits because you're trying to you're trying to numb yourself to what the reality of the situation is and those are signs those are signs that you know you kind of if you have the right people around you they will tell you and so you mentioned you know backup plans having backup plans and that sort of thing how often do you use these backup plans do you find that just sort of uh kind of consolidating where you're at um that usually kind of does the job or uh, do these sort of backup plans, are they usually what, what gets used when you come across challenges? No, I mean, when I say backup plans, you know, it's um, it's not the exact, like, it, it's not the exact plan supplied to the situation, but it's a version of the plan. Uh, when you when you talk to a firefighter, uh, as an example, or, or or someone in the police, or even an even even an ICU, my wife's an ICU nurse. When you when you talk to them and and they deal with um, you know life threatening events and they have split seconds to make decisions, they all have these backup plans in their heads, uh, and they've already trained for them. Uh, so like that, you have to have contingencies. Like you have to have contingencies like. If I feel horrible, if I get up in the morning and I have this weird feeling, which is going to happen, um, and you have a bad day, what are you going to do? Like, what what is your next step? Um, I guarantee you that uh, your next step shouldn't be. Actually, no. I, I'll rephrase that. Your next step can be anything, uh, as long as it works for you, right? Uh, it is not how many times you fall; it's how many how quickly you get back up. And and those are the scenarios you've got to create for yourself where you uh, have backup plans and you have those plans in case uh, stuff goes sideways. And have you ever been given any advice along the way that, that you maybe disagreed with, that you thought, although I'm hearing that a lot, that's actually probably not, not the way that I would go about it? Or, or mm. yeah, yeah, is there any advice you disagree with? Yeah, I mean, it happens a lot um, because... Um, stuff that I undertake has not been done mm. and because it's not been done it doesn't necessarily, I you know, always usually have a bunch of people that say it's not a good idea in fact people that I, that, that I respect and and, um, and it's not a bad thing because they tell me exactly what to look out for so then I create backup plans for those things that they, <laughs> they, they're saying you know these are the things that uh, will go wrong and uh, before I started We Are Podcast uh, some of my closest friends like Glenn Carlson that was at, um, uh, at We Are Podcast this year and spoke on stage and uh, Daniel Priestley who's written three big Amazon best-selling books and have been entrepreneurs for years uh, have global companies said don't do it honestly this is uh, you're going to fail um, they didn't actually say it in so many words they didn't say you're going to fail they said don't do it and they said don't do it because and they gave me all these this this huge list of why I shouldn't do it and I wrote that list down and I created a backup plan for each and every one of them and um, and I it happens. It happens. When I was writing my thesis, my supervisors told me not to write it because it was not a subject that they saw a future in. Uh, but two years later, now even today, they have conferences around my thesis, uh, which is crazy uh, when you think about it. Um, and it doesn't always happen like that. Like you know, it doesn't always happen. 
you happen to stumble across something that's going to become a trend. Uh, there are lots of things that I've tried to do and it hasn't succeeded. Uh, so people, uh, you know, I, I like when people disagree with me because I genuinely want to know why. And how often do you have an end goal in mind with a project or how much of it is about building something that's going to naturally evolve and then sort of just going with the flow? I don't, I, I don't, I don't think I have an end goal as such for anything that I undertake. Like I don't know what what the end of We Are Podcast looks like or the end of Amplify. I don't know what that looks like. I do know that anything I undertake, I want to be a better person as a result of undertaking that. That is what I, I, I prefer to look at more than uh, some metric that would define success or failure. And what advice would you have for someone who wanted to sort of emulate your career path and, and become an entrepreneur and all that sort of thing? What, yeah, what advice would you have for someone looking to go down the path of, I suppose, diversifying your professional talents? Mm. Pay attention to what people told you um, you did most often because what happens is we have skills that come so naturally to us that we don't give it enough importance. We decide to work on our weaknesses rather than working on our strengths. And our strengths are so so natural to us in the way we do it that we don't give it enough importance so it doesn't land up happening. We don't think it's, it's valuable enough. Uh, but figure out what it is that people have been saying that you do. And they've been saying it to you ever since you were a kid. Um, and work on that. Build on that. Because... No one has been given the strength um, and and the uniqueness as you have, and um, and we we've all been waiting for you to figure that out. And is there anything that, that you're most proud of in your career so far? <laughs> um, in my career, um, probably becoming an author. I, I, I want to say, I, I think there's a lot of traditional sort of ideas around becoming an author that um, that made me really feel proud when I did uh, submit my manuscript in. Um, but in general, I think my biggest victory has, has been marrying my wife. Um, I don't think she even knew what she was getting into. Uh, so it was more of a, like a really cool sales conversation. Um, <laughs> and uh, I, ma- I, managed to, uh, I managed to get her to sign on the piece of the paper. So um, I, in terms of career, I, I, I feel like I've had a really good teams where I've built them. My teams have probably been uh, my most successful um, venture. And when I look at when I look at success, I look at my teams and 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 the people that we've landed up landed up uh, bringing together. And I'm just in awe of uh, what they what they do and how cool they are and how they work together and and how um, you know they love. They love uh, each other and, and what they do and, and, and the clients as well. So that's that's always been cool. And so where do you see yourself heading from here? Is it is it now about sort of consolidating the projects that, that you do have that are quite successful or are you someone who sort of gets a little bit of itchy feet and is always looking for the next thing? 
yeah, I'm always looking at the next thing. Um, I always am looking at what, how do we innovate what we currently have. I want to always exceed my clients' expectations or our clients' expectations. I want to give them something they don't even know they wanted. And they kind of, when they get it, they're like, oh my God, this is amazing. Uh, I'm always looking at that. I'm always looking at how we can serve better. I feel like service culture in Australia is, is, is pretty rubbish and I, I want to change that. I want to be able to be of service, um, genuinely be of service to our clients and not just do enough just to get paid. I think um, I'm always looking at that. I'm always looking at how we can do better there. Um, I'm also looking at, at uh, innovating what we currently have because whether I like it or not, there is going to be there's going to become a t- come a time where someone takes what we have and copy it. And I'd rather innovate and become better and, and compete then than kind of going, oh, you know, they, they shouldn't be doing that. I, I will never do that. In fact, I'm going to say that out loud. Uh, so if you're looking to copy um, um, Amplify, I have a book. You should read it and create your own business around it because do it. Like I think there's so much more value out there um and there's so much abundance that uh, we just need to keep innovating so yeah i keep innovating and how far do you look ahead do you have sort of like a, a five and, and ten year goal in mind or you, you mentioned earlier sort of think big act small is that more about sort of uh yeah not thinking too far ahead and making everything seem a fair bit more manageable and that sort of thing mm-hmm. Yeah, when I think when when I think big, I don't necessarily have put a timeline on it. So I don't put a timeline on when this big thing needs to happen. Um, there was a chef that said to me once, and probably that was his biggest contribution to me, um, was um, Ronsley, if you're working on a problem that you can solve in your lifetime, then you're thinking too small. So um, yeah, I f- okay. yeah right. Uh, it's quite and, profound. Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> So I feel like there's, there's something there. I just don't know what it is yet. Uh, I feel like um, these are all just stepping stones. I don't necessarily have a timeline. Uh, I will go and keep going until I cannot anymore. Uh, so I don't necessarily think of what you know the end point is because I don't think there's an end point. I think that it's just one cyclical journey. Um, and, it, and, 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 and beauty of the whole journey is how often you're in sync with everything else around you. And I think that's when you have fun. Well, Ronsley, it's, it's been great to talk to you and it's been great hearing sort of all, all your insights and that sort of thing. And I really do encourage anyone who, who's not come across Ronsley's stuff before, get get into it because I've certainly found just doing a little bit of research and, and sort of having having dealings with you in the past that you're so multifaceted in so many ways that there's there's little gems that come out of everything that you do and they're not always sort of following a similar path or in a direction that you expected but uh but often yeah i find myself getting a lot more than i than i hope to so so yeah thank you very much thanks thanks ron this has been this has been so cool i've actually recorded this on my end i think i'm gonna i'm gonna (laughs) I'm gonna publish. I'm gonna publish this um, <laughs> as well as uh, and give your your podcast a plug. So look out for that one. Oh, thanks very much. <laughs> Cheers, buddy.